Hey, welcome to a gluten-free podcast, the show where we'll be exploring all things gluten-free. I'm your host, Ben. Whether you have celiac disease like me, you're gluten-free for other reasons, or you just want to learn more about the gluten-free diet, then this podcast is for you. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to a gluten-free podcast. This is a weekly show where I talk to people about some really helpful and inspiring things that they're doing in the gluten-free community and also sharing my own story of having celiac disease and being gluten-free along the way. Before we get into the episode today, I would like to take the time to acknowledge the land on which I'm currently recording this episode on right now. I'm looking out the window and it's actually a beautiful sunny day, which is quite rare at the moment here in the Southern Highlands. This is, was, and always will be Gundungara country. And the Gundungara people are the true custodians of this land. I would like to pay my respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge the stories, traditions, and living cultures of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Also, I am not a health professional myself. I'll be speaking to two very experienced and fantastic health professionals today, but I am not a health professional myself. So anytime you hear anything on this podcast related to health or diet, please always remember to seek out your own personal medical advice when it comes to doing anything to your health or your diet. All right, let's get into the episode today. Good morning, Penny, and we are also joined by another special guest today, and regular listeners of this podcast will will know her um, as she's been on twice already, Christina Richardson, welcome back, and a massive congrats on the new position with Celiac Australia. Thanks so much, Ben. Yeah, I'm really excited to, to be um, aligned with Celiac Australia again and working with them. It's been something I've been wanting to do for a while now, um, and to join them with um, their health advocacy and their research work is, yeah, dream come true, really. So really happy to be here. And I, I must, I must agree. It is also a dream come true for me <laughs> to have a friend. Um, yeah, it's been really great having Christine. I think this is only your second week that you've been with us, and it's just yeah, nice to have someone to to nut things out with. Um, so yeah, Christina will be working alongside me in our health advocacy with a particular focus on that research space as well. So yeah, it's very exciting times. Very exciting. Very cool. And yeah, we're currently in the middle of the campaign uh, for children with celiac disease and the lead up to Celiac Disease Awareness Day on May 16th. So what's happening at Celiac Australia? I imagine you're pretty busy with putting everything together for that. Yeah. So the, the camps for Celiac Australia's awareness campaign, um, so shining a light on children with celiac disease, um, we launched earlier this month. Um, and so as We've sort of moved away from our previous Celiac Awareness Week, which used to be in March. We've we've now aligned ourselves more globally with the International Day for Celiac Disease Awareness, which is the 16th of May. So we're building towards um, some great things happening around the 16th of May. But throughout, between now and then, there'll be lots of stuff happening just to to try and encourage the testing and diagnosis um, of children with celiac disease and and get those diagnosis rates better. Absolutely. Yeah. Very important, especially testing and diagnosis rates in kids. Definitely something we need to push for more awareness about. Definitely. Um, but yes, you said, you mentioned you had some, uh, a few questions online, um, from members. Yeah. We've had some really great questions, um, based on, so we've been putting up obviously posts around kids and diagnosis and screening and so on. And we've had some great questions 
in response to that. Um, the first one, which what, what is screening? How do you screen? I'm like, well, that's a really good question. That's why I think we should cover off. Um, so your GP is generally who you will see first if you suspect that your child may have celiac disease or if there is that increased risk due to a family history. Um, and they organise a blood test for kids with celiac disease, um, or sorry, to test for celiac disease. So um, it involves looking for certain antibodies in the blood that the body produces in response to gluten. Um, so that's just a really fairly simple first step. Um, I mean, I say simple, but when we talk about blood tests in children, it's not always simple. So um, certainly it's important that you consider consider that and chat to your GP about it and make sure that they um, that they're managing that properly. Um, one thing I often say to parents, and I've done this with my own kids as well, is you can get the Emla gel over the counter at Chemist and that's that numbing cream that you mm. can put on the area for, for, for where the needle's going to go in just to make it a bit, a bit nicer for them. Um, so, yeah, making sure you speak to GP and doing this before gluten is removed from the diet I think is a really important part of that message as well. Um, that screening requires gluten in the system. And if you take gluten out too early um, before that testing is complete and before you have that diagnosis, it can um, mean that you're perhaps prolonging that, that diagnostic process. It can take a whole lot longer um, and confuse that process a bit. So just keep eating gluten as hard as that might be at times just till you have that definitive diagnosis, um, just so you know that you do have the right diagnosis and that you're treating treating that with the right treatment as well. Um, you don't want to overly restrict um, unnecessarily and we want to make sure that we're, yeah, we are treating the right condition with the right treatment. The antibody levels can sort of fluctuate in kids. So what is the suggested age for them yeah, to first get tested? That's a really good question. Um, so if obviously if your child is showing obvious symptoms of celiac disease, then you take them straight to the, the doctor then, um, be it to diagnose celiac disease or rule it out and look at what else could be causing those symptoms. If your child is not symptomatic, they seem otherwise well, but there is other high-risk features like a family history, for example. Um, so if, one, if a parent has celiac disease or a sibling has been diagnosed, the recommendation then is to start scre that screening around the age of four, um, that's when those blood tests are more reliable. You don't have as much fluctuation once you get to the age of about four. Um, so you'd start around then and then probably repeat it every two to three years. Obviously, if, it, if it's negative, repeat it again every two to three years just to make sure you're not missing a potential diagnosis before the adolescent growth spurt occurs. Um, and Christina, you've got one of your children has celiac disease. You probably... Yeah, shed a bit so, more light on that process firsthand. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, I've spoken a bit about this with Ben before, but um, yeah, my daughter she started showing some signs of celiac disease quite young, about three, and um, but her her celiac antibodies didn't actually become positive until she was almost six. So okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was a bit of a long process for us. Um, the symptoms that she was having were were quite unusual, more behavioural in the beginning. 
and it wasn't until she started getting <clears throat> quite bad um, acid reflux um, when she was six, heartburn, that, that's when her antibodies all of a sudden um, became positive. So mm-hmm. I was screening her quite regularly. I think we screened three or maybe four times. Um, and, yeah, no no sign of those antibodies until she was six. But, you know, we got it at six and, and now she's on a gluten-free diet and thriving. So... So just um, a fir- just to add to what Penny said, um, you know, screen every two to three years, as long as there's nothing that's concerning you in between that time. You know, mm. you know they might have had they might have only had a blood test six months ago that was a negative, but if all of a sudden they started getting symptoms or you know behavioural issues or something that's concerning you and seems out of the ordinary, take them again. <laughs> um, and don't trust, trust your gut. Trust <laughs> yes. your gut as a yeah. as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Christina, because uh, that is a little spoiler as well. That is definitely something we'll be covering um, when I release this uh, children with celiac disease special and the psychological and behavioral issues that go along with, with celiac disease is definitely something that, <laughs> that needs a lot more exploring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. One of the other questions um, that does come up is around the confirmatory biopsy and whether that's always needed in children. So there is some really specific criteria um, from Europe that can be applied in really specific circumstances. Um, and it relates to how high those antibody levels are. Um, and some in certain cases, that means that you don't need a biopsy. But it is really important that that, that call and that diagnosis is made by a paediatric gastroenterologist. Um, so certainly your GP can't be looking at blood results and, and making that diagnosis. It does mm. need to be at that specialist level. And they look at the entire clinical picture um, before making that call. Yeah. And if you're worried that, um, you know, it might be a while until you get into a gastroenterologist, um, generally most will sort of triage their patients. So if they see a little one's had, you know, really high antibodies and, you know, needs a celiac diagnosis, they won't leave you waiting forever. Um, they should try and slot you in as soon as possible. So um, just, you know, it is hard. I had to do the same thing, keep my daughter eating gluten for that extra couple of weeks. But we did it and um, and that's when the gastroenterologist was able to make the decision about her diagnosis. So mm. it's just a little bit longer to wait and then, um, and then you can go gluten-free after that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and I think having that definitive diagnosis allows all the appropriate follow-up and monitoring to occur as it should, um, as well as relevant family screening and all of that sort of thing as well. Um, so I think it is really helpful to, yeah, to have that diagnosis um, and to know exactly what you need to do for your child to be well. Yeah. Otherwise, your child may come come back questioning it later. Yes. <laughs> well, am I really celiac? Yes. I never had a biopsy. There's <laughs> <laughs> lots of things you have to consider in the future. Um, and then, yeah, I guess that's something that you have to face um, as a parent. But they always have the option to do the the gluten challenge if they want to later on when they're an adult. So that's another thing to consider. That's true. That's mm. true. And there is a uh, a process for diagnosis if parents are sort of wondering about how they go about it, talking to their GP about getting testing. You have that on the Celiac Australia website. Yeah, there's some great resources online. Um, we've got a fact sheet around diagnosis and testing in ce- of celiac disease in children, which has got some helpful information and answers some of those sort of frequently asked questions. Um, 
And even like uh, some people will often ask, well, what about after diagnosis? Certainly in adults, it's still recommended that you have that follow-up biopsy um, further down the track to confirm healing. That's not always recommended or necessary in children. It does depend on the individual child and, and how they're recovering. But if everything looks fine to the pediatric gastro, they're not going to do um, a follow-up biopsy unless it's really necessary and there's obvious ongoing issues that they need to follow up. So there are some some differences with children and it's important that you you have that proper follow-up um, with your medical team um, just to make sure you're on top of it all. For sure, yeah. It's super, super important, especially that follow-up care, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's important to mention just with on the topic of screening um, the difference between the gene test and mm. the antibody tests because um, a lot of people will go and have the gene test or ask the doctor for the gene test and then they they may think that because they have a positive gene that they have that have celiac disease. Um, and um, unfortunately, sometimes they are even told to go on a gluten-free diet because they have the gene. Um, it, it's not, yeah, it, it's something I see in practice um, a little bit too much, mm. unfortunately. So just to be really clear, the genetic test shows whether you have certain genes that may predispose you to having celiac disease. It doesn't mean you necessarily have it or will ever have it. Um, and um, and probably what's the percentage, Penny? Um, people that have um, about one in yeah. If you have if you test positive for the genes for celiac disease, it means you have a one in forty chance mm. yeah. of developing celiac disease. So actually, your chance is still higher that you won't have celiac disease than what you will <laughs> if you exactly. test positive for the genes. Yeah. So um, gene tests can be done by a, a, a blood test or if um, if you want to have your child tested just to see whether they, you know, may be, may be able to rule it out as something that you have to worry about, you can also get a, a cheek swab. Um, that's a little bit harder to come by, but you can ring around if that's something that you want to um, do with your child. Um, so, yeah, just to make, make that really clear, um, a gene test and an antibody test, they can both mm. be blood tests, but two totally separate different things. Yeah. yeah, that's really important. Yeah, and to have those alongside each other because I have spoken to a lot of people who just get one or the other done um, and, and don't get mm. both done at the same time, which would make the process a little bit easier yeah. to know if you have the one or two of those genes, if you will develop it, and to know the antibodies at that time too. Yeah. So yeah, you do need both of those tests on different different blood samples at different periods in time. Yeah, and I, I guess with the genetic testing, some GPs are a little reluctant to do it. I think because they get scrutinised by Medicare if they request especially genetic stuff too much. Um, and obviously, if it's it do, it only has value in certain circumstances. So. It's it's not it's not um, routinely recommended that you have the genetic screen done, but it is something that can help with the diagnostic process if something is unclear, if the diagnosis is less clear, and certainly in the case of when there's a family history of celiac disease, while you would kind of expect the gene test to be positive because you've already got that family history, if it does happen to be negative, as you mentioned, Ben, that means that you don't have to worry about that ongoing testing, screening yeah. anymore because it's never going to happen. Yeah. Um, it effectively excludes it forever. So it can be really helpful there too. We do have our um, campaign page on our website that you can visit 
There's various posters and other assets and things that you can download to use um, on your own social media to help us spread the message um, and encourage people to, to go and visit their doctor if they think there's any concern with their child. Excellent. And any news about the campaign or updates in in that area? And I know we're leading up to International Celiac Disease Awareness Day on the 16th of May, but can people find out more about what's happening on the on the website there or on socials? Or- yeah. So if you go to, yeah, certainly follow our socials. There'll always, there'll be updates there. Um, we do have the Celiac Australia Awareness Campaign shining a light page on our website where there's some good resources and information there. Um, In terms of upcoming events and that sort of thing, it's all basically going to be around the 16th of May. That's when when all of the fun stuff is going to happen. I'm just having a quick look at what, yeah, there's nothing on our website at the moment about that, but there are some images and things that people can share and use People could use the hashtags shine a light on celiac disease and hashtag celiac Australia um, just to help us generate that traffic. That would be great. Excellent. Yeah. And as always, how can listeners contact Celiac Australia if they have questions or want to sign up as a member or make a donation? Yeah. So if you'd like to go to our website, which is celiac.org.au, um, or you can call us um, on 1300 458 836 if you want to chat to any of our membership team. Fantastic. Well, Penny and Christina, uh, a massive congrats again, Christina, for joining Celiac Australia. And uh, thanks so much for your time today. Good luck with the campaign. I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Thanks, Ben. Great. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Ben. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me here on a gluten-free podcast. If you're enjoying it and think someone else would too, please share it with them. Also, I'd really appreciate you giving a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening on. You can find me on Instagram at a.gffamily or send an email to aglutenfreefamily at gmail.com. I'll add all this info in the show notes. Until next time, bye for now.